Welcome to the HR Chat Show, one of the world's most downloaded and shared podcasts designed for HR pros, talent execs, tech enthusiasts, and business leaders. For hundreds more episodes and what's new in the world of work, subscribe to the show, follow us on social media, and visit hrgazette.com. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum, and joining me on this episode for the very first time, although I suspect he's got lots of interesting things to say, and I'm going to bug him to come back on very soon, is the awesome Daniel Altman, PhD, Chief Economist over at Instawork. Dan leads Instawork's Economic Research Division and is an expert on local labour markets, especially for in-person hourly work. After completing his doctorate in economics at Harvard, he wrote commentary on the staffs of the New York Times and The Economist, served as an economic advisor in the British government, taught on the faculty of New York University's Stern School of Business, and was the first head of strategy at Kaplan Levian Sports Group and the first director of thought leadership at Dalberg. He's done it all, listeners. Done it all. Oh, and by the way, he told me before we hit record today, he's got three passports. This guy can go all over the place. Uh, Dan is a frequent speaker and writer on the labor market and the economy at large. Dan, welcome to the show today. Thanks very much, Bill. Great to be here. So, Dan, beyond my reintroduction there, why don't you take a minute or two and introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, so I'm an economist, you know, uh, hopefully not too boring, but uh, looking at labor markets, specifically local labor markets, and often for in-person hourly work. I work at Instawork, which is the leading online platform that brings thousands of businesses across the U.S. and Canada together with our network of about 5 million hourly workers uh, for in-person shift work. Thanks for tuning in to the HR Chat Podcast. If you're enjoying this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you could subscribe and leave a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. And now, back to the conversation. Okay, you're kind enough to give up your time here. So before we get into the the crux of today's conversation, let's uh, let's give a bit more love to Instawork then. What differentiates Instawork from traditional staffing agencies, would you say? Instawork is not really a temp agency. It's more of a marketplace. It's a place where workers and businesses can get together and find each other uh, where they have transactions that benefit both sides. And that means finding people who can work the shifts that businesses need, including on fairly short notice or on a recurring basis and even a long-term assignment. It's even a tool that some businesses use to recruit to find their next permanent hires. Basically, it works by giving an app to lots of professionals across the U.S. and Canada that they have on their phone, and they can open the app and look for shifts that have been posted by businesses, sign up for those shifts, and go and work them. Uh, roughly half of them get paid instantly as soon as they finish the shift, and all of them receive reminders on their phone to go and work at the shift and also are tracked on their phone so that they can only clock in and clock out when they're actually at the location. So we do a lot of things to guarantee the quality of our workers, the convenience for the businesses booking the shifts, and also the reliability of these transactions. That's what really sets us apart. Okay, thank you very much, Dan. So let's get into talking all things labor-related now. How has the use of flexible in-person labor changed over the last few years so let's let's get you to talk a bit about what it looked like just before the pandemic 
those huge changes that we saw during those terrible years of the pandemic. And of course, what's happening now? Before the pandemic, temporary workers were mainly used on an on-demand basis by businesses that just needed some extra people to fill a gap here or there. Uh, They tended not to be brought in in huge numbers because there just weren't the huge macroeconomic fluctuations that we then started to see after the COVID-19 pandemic began. At the beginning of the pandemic, everybody had to stay at home. So there was huge demand for goods that could be consumed in the home. That meant that all the occupations through the supply chain were especially taxed. There were some people who just didn't want to work in person at that point because they were taking extra risk with their health. So combining the demand for labor that came from all of these people wanting to spend on goods delivered to their home with the supply of labor, which was somewhat constrained, there was just an enormous gap. And flexible workers showed up to fill that gap. Now, a little bit later in the pandemic, when the service economy started to reopen, everybody decided they wanted to get out of their houses and consume travel and entertainment, leisure, go out for restaurant meals, tickets to stadium, whatever it might be. And at that point, demand for goods sort of stalled. So all of that hiring activity that had been happening in the supply chain kind of stopped And it was the leisure and hospitality sector that was all of a sudden desperate for workers. And once again, flexible workers came in to fill that gap, working shifts when needed to really service that demand. But those two enormous fluctuations in the economy uh, are unlikely to be repeated now. We are now seeing a more normal balance of spending by consumers between goods and services. And so now flexible workers are being used in two different ways. Yes, there are still some changes in demand that require extra people to come in on short notice. But we're finding that a lot of businesses, having now used flexible workers even more, are deciding to use them on a recurring basis so that they have shifts every month that are set aside for these flexible workers, either for people who are going to cover for permanent employees who might be off sick or taking vacation uh, to, to prevent overtime by bringing in extra workers to service those shifts to have a recruiting pool that's always being that's always interacting with the permanent employees so that they're essentially next in line for permanent hires and also to retain some of your permanent employees who might not want to work a fixed full-time schedule anymore you can move them into that flexible tier so we're finding that there's a lot of innovation going on in the use of flexible labor right now thanks for tuning in to this episode of the HR chat show IEA training provides professional development to a changing workforce with changing needs, and we're proud to support this episode of the HR Chat Podcast. IEA offers lots of courses, webinars, and on-demand training to meet our students where they are and help them reach their goals. We're proud of our contribution to better risk analysis and high operating standards in the industry. Learn more at ieatraining.org. And now, back to the conversation. Okay, see, listeners, he does know his stuff, eh? Uh, now then, uh, as part of my homework ahead of today, I was going over your LinkedIn profile, seeing what you're chatting about at the moment, and I came across uh, the inaugural InstaWork report. Uh, it's uh, It was called the State of the Flexible Workforce, and it was recently released. It sheds light on the fastest-growing segment of the American workforce, of course, the data details the diversity quality and motivations of hourly workers as well as pinpointing factors that make them succeed and be successful can you share some of those findings with us now take take your time this is the main part of our 
uh, of our conversation today. So please dive into the details of that report. We decided that we wanted to take a really deep look at the professionals who were working on our platform because we wanted to understand all of their abilities and all of the ways that they could connect and productively with the businesses uh, who also use the platform. And we found some things that were really, uh, let's not say surprising, but really striking. Uh, first of all, if we look at this workforce, a lot of people thought, well, you're doing app-based work. This must be really young people who are on their phones all the time. Actually, not true. The majority of the flexible workers who find shifts on our platform are in the prime age part of the workforce. That means age 25 to 54. So these are mature workers who already have experience and skills. They're also a much more diverse group than the hourly workforce as a whole, at least across the United States. Uh, in the United States, close to 80% of the hourly workforce is made up of white Americans uh, who are, are still uh, the majority there. But on our platform, almost half are black or, or African-American and another 20% or so are Hispanic and Latino. So it's a much more diverse group. It's also very balanced gender-wise between men and women. Now, you might expect, given the historically lower educational outcomes for some minorities in the United States, that it would be a less educated workforce than the hourly workforce as a whole. But that's not true either. It turns out that the people who are completing shifts on the InstaWork platform are more likely to have completed high school and to have some college than the hourly workforce as a whole. So this is a really interesting group. They are more diverse, they're better educated, and according to a lot of the questions we ask them, they're more motivated in terms of personal growth and autonomy than the hourly workforce as a whole. They are trying to work in different positions, different industries, to get more skills so that they have more options in the labor market. And they want to be able to set their own schedules, to be their own bosses. They want to have that autonomy to make their work schedule fit around their other obligations, whether it's caring for other people or education, whatever that might be. So, you know, this is a really motivated and, and in some ways elite group of hourly workers. And I think that that's why we, there's so much satisfaction and growing really satisfaction across many industries uh, with their performance. We have tracked in some of our other reports the performance and satisfaction with flexible workers over time, and it's been growing. Uh, I think the more companies work with them, the more they realize what the benefits are, but also how to work with them. I think it's important to think about how you're going to structure your workplace so that you can have these recurring flexible workers coming in and filling some of the roles that might have been filled by permanent employees, but also some of the roles that you might have filled more on an on-demand basis. So it was really a fascinating exercise for us. One other thing that we found you know, given the diversity of the workforce, we were interested in whether there were gaps in pay based on gender identity or racial or ethnic identity. And interestingly, we found absolutely zero on average. So when we look on a market and role basis, so for example, dishwashers working in the greater Atlanta area, we found absolutely no difference on average between the hourly rates paid to men and women, or non-binary people, no difference between the hourly rates that were paid to Black or African-American workers versus white or Hispanic Latino. Uh, and I think that's really a function of the technology. When you see a shift on our app, you sign up for it, and it really doesn't matter what you look like or how you identify, you have that shift now, you're going to be able to work that shift. And so 
we think that there are a lot of people who are finding platforms like ours as a place to get a fair shake in the labor market. The last thing I would add is that a lot of the people on our platform really appreciate the flexibility. You know, pay is obviously a number one in importance for workers in almost any occupation, but flexibility is really important as well. And this means that if employers want to tap the whole talent pool that's out there, they have to offer some flexible options. Just offering fixed schedules for full-time employees means they won't be able to tap the entire labor force. And this is something that Joe Fuller over at Harvard Business School has been talking about repeatedly in this very tight labor market. If you want access to all the talent that's out there, you have to offer a menu of options to your workers. Business Sherpa Group is a business solutions company that specializes in providing flexible and affordable outsourced operations support to small and medium-sized enterprises across Canada. And we're proud to be a supporter of this episode of the HR Chat Podcast. Our embedded experts support SMEs with HR, cloud accounting, managed recruitment, and executive solutions. Learn more at businesssherpagroup.com. And now back to the conversation. Okay, I said be comprehensive, and you certainly were. Thank you very much. Uh, we are already, Dan, coming towards the end of this particular interview. Before we wrap up, two more questions for you. The next one's a biggie, but I've got to ask it because our listeners want to know. Uh, what are your predictions, sir, for the wider labour market of the US in 2024? And, of course, other countries uh, such as Canada, the UK, um, parts of the EU. Where, where do you think things are going in the next 12 to 18 months? The economies are balanced more or less on a knife edge right now, both in the United States and Canada, which tend to move together, and in Europe. It's a very difficult situation because the central banks are completely intent on taming inflation. They're not satisfied with where inflation rates are right now, but they also want to be careful not to slow the economy down too much and cause a deep recession. At this point, we still have very tight labor markets in the United States and several other major economies, but they don't seem to be causing a lot of pressure on prices, for example, through wage increases. A lot of the pressure on prices seems to be happening for reasons that are specific to different industries and markets. For example, in the United States, we have a shortage of affordable housing and house prices are a major source of inflation for us. A couple of years ago, Obviously, with Russia's invasion of Ukraine, there was an enormous change in commodity markets. Energy prices were much higher, and they were causing a lot of the inflation. The question is how much central banks can really do about this stuff. You know, they have this very blunt instrument, which is to raise interest rates and tighten credit. And yet they're trying to fight against these forces that are largely beyond their control. I think that in the United States, the Federal Reserve is probably fairly close to finishing its campaign of raising interest rates, but it may hold interest rates fairly high for quite a while. And so I expect the labor market to continue to slacken in the United States. In Canada, I think we'll see more or less the same thing, maybe a little bit slower. In Europe, it's a more complex question because we have a situation where in the growth rates are starting to lag and inflation is also going up, which you know raises hints of the feared stagflation situation. So I would say that there are more question marks over the labor market in Europe, perhaps, than there are in the United States and Canada. 
Here in the United States and Canada, I think it's more of a question of whether we attain that fabled soft landing or whether we have a mild sort of recession before uh, inflation comes down to where the central banks would like to see it. Well, you didn't shy away from that answer. Thank you very much. Took that one head on. Great answer. Uh, Dan, before we wrap up for today, how can our listeners connect with you? Is that email? Are you all over LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram, all the places, all the cool kids hang out? Tell us more. It's easy to find me on social media. I'm at Altman Econ on Twitter or X. I am accessible on LinkedIn as well and always sharing our work there. You can also just come over to the instawork.com site where in our resources section, you'll find a whole slate of economic research, analysis, reports, and data that you can download for more than 30 markets across the United States and Canada. So if you really want to dive into what's going on in the labor market, come by our site and check it out. Awesome. Uh, Dan, I am definitely, definitely going to be in contact with you again pretty soon. I, uh, I co-host some other shows. So I'd love to get your thoughts and share those with other audiences too. So um, I'm sorry, now we're connected. I'm not going to leave you alone. But for, just for today, um, thank you very much for being my guest. It's been my pleasure, Bill. Great to talk to you anytime. And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working. Thanks for listening to the HR Chat Show. If you enjoyed this episode, why not subscribe and listen to some of the hundreds of episodes published by HR Gazette. And remember, for what's new in the world of work, subscribe to the show, follow us on social media, and visit hrgazette.com.